From the epistle of Second Peter, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning! Well, it's finally December, and we are rounding the corner on what has been a bizarre and difficult year. Although, I gotta be honest with you, I'm a little, I'm getting a little bit tired about the label, the worst year ever. Uh, I was reading a satirical article about this uh, earlier this week, and they said, it said, uh, 2020 rated worst year ever, provided you never lived at any other time in history. And it goes on to mention Viking raids, uh, Viking raids, the Black Plague, World Wars, Ice Ages, Holocausts, and the days of healthcare, meaning leeches applied to your body, and a, a wooden mallet for anesthetic, right? I mean, that, that's pretty bad. Now, I mention all of that not to make, make light of the seriousness of COVID-19, but I do want to remind us of the reality of our situation. We are vulnerable. And as much as we have technological advances and try to create comforts for ourselves, we are always going to be vulnerable. There's always something coming, and we need to be prepared. In 2005, you might remember Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans, breaching its flood control system at more than 50 places, leaving 80% of the city underwater and killing 1,800 people. And, and if you remember this, in the aftermath, we were wondering, how could this happen? How were we not prepared? How could this happen? And we found out that the flood walls and the systems that they made for New Orleans were established to withstand the strongest storm of a century. The strongest storm that might come around every hundred years. In contrast, when the Netherlands were devastated by flooding in 1953, they built flood control, control systems that were strong enough to withstand storms of severity seen once in every 10,000 years. They had a leg up on us. We were unprepared. Even though we knew it could happen, even though we knew it eventually would happen, we were willfully blind to our situation, and by the time the storm came, it was too late. You know, in our passage for this morning, Peter is urging Christians not to make the same mistake. Not to be caught unprepared for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but to stay alert and to use the time that has been allotted to us well. Two points for today. I'm not promising a short sermon. I'm just saying two points, so hear me say that. Uh, two points for today. The first point is, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And our second point for today is that Jesus delays for our sake. So let's dive into our text. At the beginning of this chapter, Second Peter verse, I mean, um, in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter warns Christians that there's going to be scoffers who doubt that Jesus will return because so much time has passed. Well, that was written almost 2,000 years ago, and not much has changed. Would you agree? There are still scoffers, and there are still Christians who, to be charitable, will say are shy about our belief in Christ's return. We're all for talking about Jesus coming as a baby and all for talking about the incarnation and salvation for our souls, but we get a little embarrassed about the fact that Jesus hasn't come back yet. And Peter's first point to these Christians is, look, you believe that God made the world, right? That he is the author of history, that he penned the first chapter of existence. Why would he not be the one to bring it to a close? 
Well, that's a good question. It's still a good question. You know, if you're an atheistic scientist, you do not have a good explanation for creatio ex nihilo, right? Creation out of nothing. We don't have a good explanation for how that happened. What was before the Big Bang? We don't know. If you're an atheistic philosopher, you don't even have a good answer to the question, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there anything at all? Good question. Without a biblical perspective, you don't have a great answer for that. And if you're a Christian, you don't have a good reason to believe that the God who created all things for his glory and our good would not finish what he began. Think about his track record so far, right? In the Old Testament, when we were making a mess of our lives, God promised to come down and gain victory over sin, death, and the devil because we clearly couldn't do it on our own, right? There was this promise, the coming Messiah. Messiah is coming, Emmanuel, God with us is coming. And he did. And then he promised the disciples, Jesus promised the disciples, he says, look guys, I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to die. But don't worry. I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he was. He was put to death and then he was resurrected and he appeared to Peter, Paul, disciples, and 500 other eyewitnesses that he came back. So he fulfilled his promise. And then he promised to return to bring down the curtain on the present age. So do you think that he forgot? You know, do you think like, you know, God is, God got distracted. Like he's in the middle of authoring this great story of all creation, of existence itself. And then he kind of walked into the kitchen. And he's like, what did I come in here for? What was it? I think I was in the middle. I'm not, I don't really know what I was up, what was, what I was up to. No, God didn't forget. That's absurd. It's absurd to think that God has been so involved with the story of creation with his people, with our lives so far, that he's not going to finish the last chapter. So where is he? Where is he? Let's look at our second point. Jesus delays for our sake. Look back with me at our passage. Peter writes, God experiences time differently than we do, right? Peter says, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That's from Psalm, I think it's 90, verse 4, right? Time passes. God's experience of time is a bit different than ours. And we know this, right? Even our experience of time is different than our kids, right? Um, my wife and I and our two boys went to North Carolina. Uh, that's where we were over the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, we went to um, Banner Elk and Grandfather Mountain. It was a really wonderful time. Well, with our boys in the car, right, that, those, those five hours of driving, that time passed way different for them than it did for us. They even slept for half of it. And they had a movie on for the, for the other half. And they were still like, you know, stretching and trying to get out of their car seats and everything else like that. Time passes differently for them, right? How much different do you think time passes for God? It's gotta be, it's, it's, it's enormous. So the difference is enormous. And by the way, this time period of 2000 years is not unheard of. From the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus was at least a 2000 year gap in biblical history. Do you hear what I'm saying? This other 2,000-year gap, not unheard of. But more importantly, to our point, the delay is because God is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. His delay is a mercy to us. A mercy to us. You know, one of my seasonal gripes is that the Christmas season comes too early every year. Uh, my barometer for this, by the way, is not the Christmas displays at Hallmark, I mean at um, Target, my barometer is not the uh, Christmas songs on the radio. 
you know, it's, it's nothing like that. But it's when the Hallmark Channel begins playing Christmas movies. And I feel like they push it every year, right? I actually looked it up this year. Do you know what day they started playing Christmas movies this year? October 24th. It's like, guys, like, wait, what, what are we doing? And the reason I get a little bit scroogey about the Christmas season, which, by the way, for us Anglicans, right, it begins when? On Christmas Day. Not before, on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. Um, the reason I get a little bit scroogey, a little bit bah humbug about this is not because I want, like, each holiday to have its special day. You know, I don't really care, like, let's celebrate Halloween and celebrate Thanksgiving and give them their time. I'm pretty sure their feelings aren't going to get hurt if we don't. Um, the reason I get a little scroogey about it is because if you skip over Advent, if you skip over this season of the second coming of our Lord in preparation, then you get a very two-dimensional and anemic picture of who Jesus Christ is. You get a very different picture of who Jesus Christ is. Here's what I mean. At Christmas, right, you get cute, cuddly baby Jesus in swaddling clothes, right? You know, you always, what was it, when we do Advent pageants, you always get, well, I think you used to get like a live baby, and then you realize that was a bit of a handful, right? So we get this nice little doll, and we put it up there, and it's like, oh, that's so sweet and cute, and look at the kids, and, and that's fine, and that, you know, that, that happened. But then for the rest of the year, you get Jesus, the itinerant preacher and healer, right? And yes, you see glimpses of his power in miracles. You see a glimpse of his strength when he opposes Satan in the wilderness, you see a glimpse of his glory at the transfiguration. But also during that time, his mercy is on full display, right? And that's why some churches and some preachers can, can preach, you know, Jesus the hippie, right? And you miss the full picture of who Jesus is without Advent. Because in Advent, you learn about a side of Jesus Christ that many people aren't aware of or even have a category for or even recognize. You get a picture of the fullness of Jesus Christ that, that you don't even, some of us don't even know what to do with because we never heard about him. I'm going to read a few verses from the book of Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 11. And I'm, I'm going to read to you about the fullness of Christ in Advent. You all tracking with me? All right, let's read it. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me ask you, do you recognize this Jesus? Do you recognize Jesus on his horse with swords and flames and tattoos running up and down? with his robe dipped in blood? Is that a Jesus that you recognize? Is that one that you hear about very often? If you skip Advent, you miss the fullness of the power of God. Do you see now why we call him Lord? Do you see now why every time we come up and we approach the altar, we get down on one knee before the King of King and Lord of Lords? Do you see who we worship? He's the same person we preach about every week. 
And if you don't know this side of him, if, if you've been to churches and listened to preachers who never touch on this side of Jesus, you're missing, you're missing the fullness of who he is. Most churches don't like to talk about this Jesus, right? We like Jesus who's cuddly or Jesus who's just going to kind of like put, our, put his arm around us and be like, there you go, pal. You know, like that, that's the Jesus that we like. That's the Jesus we're comfortable with. But wrathful Jesus, do we have to talk about him? Or can we just keep talking about L-O-V-E, love? Well, here's the thing. Love and wrath are two sides of the same coin. You know, I'll never forget the birth of our first son, Gabriel. In the days later, um, someone fed me a quote, and I didn't really have, you know, like, uh, it was one of those things you didn't really understand until you experienced it. They said that having a child is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside of your body. Right? And she was right. What I was not prepared for was the realization when I held my son for the first time that I would go to any length to protect my child from ruin. I would, I would go to any length to keep my child from being irrevocably separated from me. And, and, and it, was, it was so bizarre because at the same time, the same feeling that I had of love and care and, and just desire, you know, desire for this little boy, I had this side of, of um, the potential for wrath that I didn't know I, I was even capable of if something were to harm or take this child from me. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about here in this feeling? Love and, wrath are two, are, are, love and wrath are two sides of the same coin. And here's the thing about God's wrath. First of all, God's wrath is the reason that we don't take vengeance for ourselves, Christians. Are you hearing me say that? Romans 12, 16, right? Brothers, do not avenge yourselves. Vengeance I will repay, says the Lord. Because we know justice is coming, we don't take it upon ourselves to take up arms or take vengeance on people. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Can I get a Baptist amen on that? All right, good. Um, but the other part about God's wrath that's so significant to us is, is God's love for us is such that he will move heaven and earth to protect us from ruin and to prevent our eternal separation from him. What does Paul write in Romans 8? He says about God's desire for us and his unwillingness to be separated from us. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's God's desire for us. The Lord says in the Old Testament, I am a jealous God. Why is that? He's desire of us, desirous of us and does not want to lose us or be separated from us. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Earth such as it is and you and I such as we are without Christ are not prepared to encounter his fullness. See, that's the thing about God's holiness. We've spoken about this before. What does it mean that God is holy? He is, he is other than us and holiness is cannot abide sin. We've talked about that, right? Whole, you know, if, if picture sin as a shadow and the holiness of God a spotlight that's shining around, can a shadow exist within that spotlight? Can sin exist within the presence of God? It can't. It can't. It can't. So you see the dilemma. God wants to come down and be with us. Revelation 21 talks about that. He wants to make his dwelling place with us so that we can walk with him again in the garden of the cool of the day, like Genesis 3, right? He wants to be with us. 
But our sin and his holiness cannot exist side by side. He can't. And we can't. So what's God to do? What's God to do? Well, the prophets preach, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths. Prepare the ground for his arrival. Be ready. And so, for God to come down, for God to tabernacle with us, means the removal of sin and our job in preparing for that removal. You see, for those who are not saved, that is, that doesn't, but when I say that people are not saved, I'm not saying that they're more morally, you know, they're not as morally pure or they're not as holy or they're not as righteous. All I mean is that for those who have not yet bent the knee to Jesus Christ, thrown off their own filthy rags and futile attempts at righteousness, right? Because even our best efforts fall way short of perfection. Would you all agree with that? For every single person who hasn't just said, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. I need your righteousness to cover me. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm desperate. For those who have not yet bent the knee to Christ, for those who refuse the, the uh, free gift of salvation offered in Jesus Christ, what is God to do? What is God to do? You know, should Jesus tear through the reality at the head of the heavenly host today, they would be lost to him. You know, if Jesus came back today, everyone who has not repented from their sin and grasped onto the, to the lifeboat that is Jesus Christ's work for us on the cross, they'd be lost to him. So he delays. That's what Second Peter's talking about. He delays. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now there's a cost to this delay. Jesus Christ delays even while Boko Haram is beheading Christians in Nigeria. God delays even while young girls in Nepal are sold into slavery, even while the world continues to be ravaged by poverty and disease and injustice, and our Christian brothers and sisters who live overseas are experiencing the full weight of the suffering of this world, and they're the ones that are crying out, come Lord Jesus, even in the midst of all of the suffering. When you and I are experiencing difficult times, we say, God, where are you? Even in the midst of all of this, he delays. In his mercy, he delays. He delays for the sake of our souls, and he delays for the sake of our neighbor. But he won't delay forever. He won't remain separated from us in his fullness forever. So what are we to do with the time that we have? If you're a Christian, it's time to wake up. That's what Advent is. Advent is the time to wake up. Tis the season, as Advent is always the time in our liturgical year, that we detach ourselves from our vain pursuits of this world and we meditate on the second coming of Christ. Just raise your heads. As Father Chris mentioned last week, look, look past right, what's right in front of you, right? Look down the road. Live your life in accordance of what is coming. Because all of us can become so busy building our little sandcastles that we ignore the incoming tide. All of us can be so building, busy you know, building our little kingdoms that we, we don't look up and we don't see what's coming. And it's an easy trap for all of us to fall into. It happens to every single one of us. Would you agree? You know, C.S. Lewis put it well. He said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. We need to become aware of our tendency towards being absorbed with the world and, our, and vanity. 
And as Christians, we need to take seriously the call to preach the gospel as an act of love and mercy to our neighbor. You all familiar with the magi- uh, magicians Penn and Teller? I don't know if you've seen them. They, they like to debunk, debunk various things, and, and they're famous magicians. And um, I believe it was Penn one time, he just, made, he just uploaded this video to YouTube, and it was a rough cut, and he was just kind of speaking about an experience he had. And he said, you know, he said, you know I'm not a Christian, and I don't really you know, believe in any of that, but you know, I was just exiting this show that I just had. And there was this rough-looking dude, Harley-Davidson-looking dude, waiting for me. And I thought, oh boy, what's going on? And so he's like, you know, so I, I went to walk past him, and the guy stopped me, and he held out a book. And I was like, all right, what's going on here? And, so, and, and the guy said, and it was a Bible. And the Harley Davidson-looking dude said, hey, I know you're not a Christian, but I, I'm just here to tell you, God loves you. He'll, he'll take your sins for you, and I, I just want to make sure you have the opportunity to spend eternal life with him. And then Penn said, you know, no, thank you. You know, I, I appreciate that. And he kind of walked away, kind of brushed him off and walked away. But the reason he uploaded this video is because later that day he was thinking, he's like, you know, I may not be a believer. I may, I may not really um, think this stuff is true, but why don't more Christians do that? You know, if you see a bus coming and, and, and a blind person is walking across the road and they don't see the incoming bus, Shouldn't you get out in front of them and grab them and try to get their attention and let them know what's coming? Or are you just going to stand on the sidewalk and watch this collision happen? And, and again, he, even, even as somebody who is not a Christian, understood the importance of us to be witnessing to our neighbors. Inviting, as simple as inviting them to church, if you don't have the words or you're not able to communicate the gospel yet, get them here. If you want to be able to do that yourself like, and you don't feel comfortable sharing the love of Jesus Christ, and what it is to become a Christian, call me, we'll talk. But it's so important for us as Christians to use the time that we have. And if you're not a Christian, if you're either curious about it or you're merely ambivalent, now's the time to get serious. You know, in Romans 2, Paul writes a warning to those who, as he says, presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance. He's saying, you know, everybody's walking around like, you know, I'm not getting struck by lightning today. I guess everything's fine. You know, I guess this isn't a big deal. Tomorrow's going to be like today, and so is the next day. And Paul's like, you're presuming on God's kindness. He's doing this so that you would repent. He's giving you this time. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what day that's going to be, right? If, if there's a book that you read where somebody's figured out the numerical code of when the Bible's going to be, or, you know, it's going to happen on this date because of these things, like, throw it in the trash. Scripture's very clear. It's going to come like a thief in the night. We're not going to know. But have you, just, have, you, have you wondered why God decided to give us a heads up at all? Why tell us that he's coming at all? Why not just show up as a surprise? He gave us a heads up to provide us the opportunity to repent of our, sin, of our sins, to receive his protection and covering from the wrath to come, from the stripping away of all impurities and imperfections that separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to finish with this. Um, scripture is clear that heavens and earth will pass away and a new heavens and earth will come. And how we live in the meantime has everything to do with how we experience him in eternity. Um, there was a story about a person who survived. You remember when the wildfires in, got, in California got really bad? They've been really bad several times this year. And, and this person survived because they knew they could not run the fire, that it was coming. 
and there was grass there there was you know there was grass around them but they still had several hours to prepare and so what they did is they used that time of preparation to to make as much dirt and as wide an area as possible and dig down beneath it and when the fire came because they couldn't stop the fire and they couldn't get out of the way of the fire it was able to pass around them and over them and they were able to survive that's the picture of what we're doing as we consider advent so again i would encourage you you need to have some conversations with the Lord, now's the time. And if, if you need to bring the story of the gospel to the people around you, now's the time. Let us pray. Holy Father, I thank you that you have provided a way for us, a way for us to uh, escape escape the wrath of the Lord away for us to spend eternity with you, walking with you, being your people and having you be our God, tabernacling with you. I thank you that you will not leave us here forever, that you will not remain separated from us forever, but that you desire us enough to come down and invite us into your presence. I pray that you would give us the courage to speak, the wisdom to know what to say, and the faith to know that you will, uh, you will support us in the endeavor of seeking to preach the gospel to the people that you would draw to yourself. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.